For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to the Career Confidant. We're excited to have you here today. And today we're going to be talking about management. And in the show before, we talked about kind of the difference between leadership and management, leadership being more that inspirer, the person that's moving people forward, and manager perhaps being more that person that is managing the process, um, providing that structure, if you will, and today we're going to be talking about those two terms, I guess, in a little bit more general sense, in the way that they impact your career. Now, of course, all of you listening today may not be formal managers or or leaders within your company, but if you've listened to the show at all, you know that we have a much different definition, especially of leadership. I think that you are all leaders. You're all offered the opportunity in some way every day to to impact others around you and to provide some kind of leadership in whatever venue it is that makes sense within your position within the company. And this is really a big important piece of our career development and becoming more and more important, especially for those of us who do or who want to formally manage others at some point, why? Well, when we look at the competitive landscape for our company, for the company we work for, for the company we might want to work for, or even for ourselves, we are seeing more and more the true development or evolution of the fact that talent trumps everything in terms of a company's ability to be competitive. And you think about that kind of makes sense. As our economies and our technologies have evolved, in some ways the difference between your company and their competitors is no longer the the technology they have. Right, everybody's coming to kind of the same curve on on those pieces. And, of course, there are some companies that still have some cool technology that no one else has, but they aren't going to have it for long, right? The market catches up to them. You think about a company like Apple. They had perhaps, although some might argue with you, but maybe they had the first tablet or definitely the first MP3 player, perhaps. 
but not for long, right? The market caught up to them. Competitors rolled out the same technology for the most part. And it really was the relationships that that company had with its people, both its talent and the the level of talent that they had that differentiated them. Their marketing, perhaps, is what most Apple lovers will say to me, is that they believe the company provides a superior product. Well, they believe that because the marketing tells them to, and that, again, goes back to that talent in marketing being better than their competitors' talent in marketing. And we also know, based on pretty much any research that you read, that employees leave companies because of managers, not necessarily because of the company. And most of them will leave because of their direct manager. It's the person that has the most influence on them every day, the person who influences how they think about the company, what they believe is going on in the company, whether they have hope and trust in that company, really all comes from the communication their direct manager provides to them, the opportunities that they provide to them, all of those pieces. And so bottom line, because of those things, if you are a manager within a company and you're not keeping your talent, a wise company is going to see that they're losing that best talent or that that best talent's not being developed, not being utilized, and your career as a manager could be quite short-circuited. So how do you get good at this? And if you're not a manager yet, but you're thinking about it, or you're not a manager and you're thinking about how can I advance my career, well, some of these same things we're going to talk about today apply to you because, of course, we're all leaders. We're all expected to to perform, to influence others in some way on our in our job, and perhaps even to manage process, even if we're not managing people, which of course means influencing people. And if we're not able to do that, we're just as ineffective. So one of the philosophies that I love, and if you've listened to the show, you know that I'm a a big believer in the strengths-based leadership. And so from time to time, I go back and kind of review some of those strengths literatures, and most recently went back and was looking at First Break All the Rules, First Break All the Rules by Marcus Buckingham and Kurt Kaufman. And of course, these these gentlemen are also promoters of the strengths-based philosophy. And reading their book, of course, they're talking about the, the rules that somehow are unspoken in management, that we all tend to fall into doing leadership, doing management this way, and it really gets in our way. One of the first things that came out to me as I was reading this book or is a lot of times what I hear from my coaches that are dealing with their managers, trying to manage up or our managers, is that we tend to fall into this pattern of aligning with the latest philosophy. 
So one of the individuals that I work with, his company leaders, managers, choose a book each year. And that is the book. That's the Bible for the year. So it might be strengths one year and they're really into strengths. And then the next year it might be the five dysfunctions of a team. And the next year it's something different. And so what you get with your manager is that there's this changing philosophy. There's these new ideas being brought in, but they're never really executed. They're not institutionalized. They're kind of here and gone. And so, of course, you as an individual on that team, a few things happen, right? You learn to not pay attention to this latest philosophy because it's here today and gone tomorrow. You maybe lose a little bit of faith in your manager's ability to manage because they're always searching for some new philosophy and not necessarily integrating it into how they manage, but just kind of flitting around with with things and and not being very effective with them. And of course, you're not sure what to expect from your manager or perhaps what the expectations are because these philosophies change so frequently. Now we as managers or leaders Of course, there's a good thing here of continuously learning, continuously improving, being open to new philosophies, figuring out how we want to manage, figuring out what our style is. But that's usually what's lost by these changing philosophies, is that the whole point is for you as an individual to be you to improve your leadership style, to manage in a way that works for you and, of course, your team. But it really starts with you figuring out you. And these books and philosophies can be very helpful in that, but we can't get carried away by the philosophy itself. We have to use it for what it's worth in terms of understanding ourselves. And of course, this is the problem with a lot of assessment tools that are brought in to our organization by HR, by an OD consultant, is that that assessment really is about you figuring out your, how you tick, what your falling points are, failing points are. And how those cloud your interactions with others. But most of the time when an assessment is brought in, that's not the way it's used. It's used to put people in boxes. It's used to perhaps try to help us understand the people on our team, which is great, but that really doesn't do us much good if we don't understand ourselves. And we usually don't take the time to delve as deep as we need to to get the benefit from it. So if you're taking an assessment, it really doesn't matter what it is, the DISC, the, the MBTI, even a 360 that your, your staff and your supervisors complete. If you don't really take the time to get the learning out of that, to get the insight out of that, And it's inside about you that's the most important piece of that. But then we've got to put it together, integrate it, 
figure out what it means and what we want to do with it. I've seen so many people who've taken all these assessments and have all this great information about themselves, but they don't know what to do with it. And that's perhaps just as dangerous. So if you've got those philosophies running around in your business, either take the time to figure out which ones really fit for you and what you want to get out of them, or, and maybe harsh, but don't get too tied into them if you're not going to do that, because that's really where the value is. If we're continuously running our team through these things, but not doing anything with them, we actually lose our credibility with them, right? We lose our ability to influence them because they see that churn and and that fact that they're not doing anything with it, so then they don't engage. So that's the first thing that this book brought up for me, is that instead of trying to adjust your leadership style every time the newest, greatest book comes out, really continue to be true to yourself and learn and grow, but do that within the confines of what you already know about yourself and how you're most effective, how you communicate, and how you want to be seen as a manager or a leader. And of course, if you're not a formal manager or leader, this can be even more important because you want those around you to see your steadiness, to see that you're self-aware. There's a lot of power in that. And to be self-aware, to be okay with who you are, and to be a little bit transparent about that can be very powerful. And that may be one of the other myths that we have as leaders or managers is that we need to be perfect and perhaps always on a stage in a certain way. So we're going to continue to discuss some of these myths that we accept as leaders or managers and how they're impacting our effectiveness when we return here on The Career Confidant in just a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. There are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. 
Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and today we're talking about being a good manager or leader and what that means and some of the myths that get in the way of doing that. And this has kind of spurred this discussion, this thought chain of thought was spurred by the book Breaking All the Rules, First Break All the Rules by Marcus Buckingham and Kurt Kaufman. And so we've talked a little bit about this uh, philosophical hopping that managers do. And I think it's kind of popular right now to, you know, get the latest book and and build your management team up around a certain book. This year, we're going to focus on five dysfunctions of the team. And next year, we're going to focus on strengths. And to just be careful with that, to not be jumping around in your philosophical approach with your employees to really use those as tools to, to improve yourself, but to still lead from your core beliefs, from your core thoughts around how management happens and how you want to manage what's what works for you. They should be informing that, but not tossing you around like a, a leaf in the wind. So the other piece that comes up around this is that you have to be perfect or that you're always that you're always seen as perfect. And I think that this gets confused perhaps because this idea and and they even talk about it here in the first part of this book that you're always on stage as a manager or leader or or perhaps even just an employee who has a high profile project Right, people are looking at you. They're perhaps taking cues from you about how to do things. They're judging your performance. You know, that whole leading by example thing is so true. And yet that doesn't mean that we're fake. There's a difference there of knowing that you're on stage, knowing that people are watching what you're what you're doing and thinking about your actions as such but resisting the urge to make that stage a performance versus a good, true connection to who you are and how you work. And that's a challenging thing to think about, but I've known, and you've probably known, that manager 
who you just think you can tell. You can tell that they've got their walls up, that they're pretending, that that's not really who they are. They don't really have a connection with anyone. They're aloof, perhaps. And as managers, maybe that's even something we think is important, that you're not friends with any of your employees, that you're that you are distant, that that is being a good manager. And this book and the research behind this book that was done by Gallup would question that, that people like to have more genuine relationships. And of course, that doesn't mean that you want to be inappropriate or have too much of a relationship. But it does mean that we've got to question the idea of that kind of separation being important that you don't that you don't you know fraternize with your employees which i've you know heard especially some of my engineering clients managers will even say that and that's kind of an old school management belief that's no longer effective People want to have relationships with people at work. They want to feel like they really know who you are in some ways and that you're real, you're communicating with them in a real way. They have access to you as a as more of a person. And perhaps most importantly, that you care about them as a person. And you can't have that if you're fake, if you're putting up those walls, if you're performing in that stage acting kind of way every day, you can't have those relationships. You can't have your employees thinking that you really care about them. And so that's a difficult tightrope to walk, to be real, to have some kind of real relationship with your employees, to Make sure that they really know that you care. And to also, of course, keep that leading by example kind of stage going on. To be professional with those relationships. To not get drug in by the drama of your employees. You know, caring about the fact that they're going through a tough time. And letting them walk all over you because they're always going through a tough time is is a hard hard distinction to make. And I've seen managers fall on both sides of that. I remember a, a manager that I had a client who worked with and the manager was always letting one employee be gone sick. Well, eventually that doesn't work no matter what's going on with the individual, there should be some kind of sit hours kind of rules and some of those things that have to be followed. And of course, other solutions that can be sought out for an individual who's really having a hard time, whether that's short-term disability. But of course, you can't just continue to let an employee take sick time. You're going to be crossing the line there eventually. And, of course, on the other side, you might have a manager who doesn't care, doesn't want to hear it, you know, doesn't 
have any opportunity, doesn't give you any opportunity to, to discuss those things. It's just get your work done and, and that's it. And most people are not going to flourish in that environment. And, you know, people would say, oh, millennials won't flourish in that environment. But from what I've seen, most people of any age group won't flourish in that environment. Some age groups might put up with it better than others. But it doesn't mean that they're going to perform well. And it definitely doesn't mean they're not going to be looking elsewhere for a company that does have a little bit more caring and relationship-focused um, atmosphere, culture, if you will. And I work a lot with engineers. You might think, oh, those, you know, those touchy-feely people you're talking about must be in some what whatever field you think of. But I work a lot with engineers, and although the words they dis- use to describe these things would be different, the desire is still there to have relationships, to have the opportunity to to build those relationships, to be able to talk to their managers in some way about some of these more personal things. So we, we have to be careful about creating that distance, creating those walls, and equating leading by example with being cold, aloof, and creating that distance there's there's a fine line there and as we know most people will leave that that manager if they're too far on one line or the other the teams will start to decay so when we think about being a good manager that brings us to one of the trickiest the golden rule So the golden rule states that you treat others how you would want to be treated. Of course, what's the problem with that? Those others aren't you. And this, again, of course, may be a little bit of an antiquated belief. But when we step up to management, we think that that's the way it works. We think, oh, now that I'm a leader, I've got to be thinking about my people. Great. Good first start. And I've got to be thinking about how I'm treating them and make sure I'm treating them how I would want to be treated. And of course, we know the more contemporary conversation around this is the most people will call it the platinum rule, right? Where we treat others how they want to be treated. But how do we know how they want to be treated? How do we differentiate that? How do we individualize our leadership? Well, first we have to get rid of the idea that individualizing our leadership is bad. What do people say when you treat someone different than someone else? Oh, you're playing favorites or whatever it might be. But the truth is that everyone wants to be treated differently because everyone wants to be treated the way that works for them, whether that's communication or simply scheduling their work everyone has a different thing that works for them and if we treat everyone the same we're in trouble and this comes down to our definition of fair right if you define fair as treating everyone the same you may struggle you can define fair as treating everyone in a way 
that works for them or treating everyone in a way that brings them to the same level or treating everyone in a way that individually creates the same outcomes for them as it does for the other people on your team. It's a different definition of fair, but it still works. And as a manager, sometimes that's a difficult thing for us to grasp. And actually for some people rather than others, it's more natural definition of of fair in one direction or the other. And in some instances, it may be good to define fair in one way versus the other. But anyway, we come in with this idea that being a good manager means treating everyone the same and therefore not playing favorites. The problem with that is that when we treat everyone the same, of course, they're not the same. And so we're going to be losing some of our people, perhaps some of our best people, because we're not paying attention to how they need to be treated, managed, led, to be effective for them. And this is a challenge. This is perhaps one of the biggest challenges in management is to really understand what works for someone and adjust our management style, our communication, to meet them where they're at. You know, simple things. I hate talking on the phone. Just doesn't work for me. Well, if I'm working with someone on a team who likes to talk on the phone, that's how they communicate best. If I'm not able to adjust and do that, I'm going to lose that person's participation, right? I lose their engagement. Or worse yet, I have them going around telling people I'm a horrible communicator because according to their definition of communication, I'm a horrible communicator, right? I can't talk on the phone. I don't answer the phone. I don't call them back, whatever it is that they think. And for me, it's because for that, the phone doesn't work for me, but that doesn't matter. It's adjusting that style to do what works for them so that I can help them be the most productive and successful that they can be. And as we go on to our break here, really thinking about that and the challenge of that, we'll give you a few pointers on how to do that better when we come back here in just a few minutes. So we'll take a short break and come back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel, and get Amplified. 
How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and today we're talking through some of the myths of leadership or management that might be getting in your way of being a great manager, and these are things that we hear all the time, right, that you should stay up on the latest in, in leadership or management. And yes, that might be true, but we want to be careful of continuously moving the target for our employees and bringing in these new philosophies and not doing anything with them. The same could be said with bringing in a new strategic plan all the time and then not executing it, right? It's the same idea when we bring in these leadership philosophies, this book, that book, this speaker, that speaker, and don't do anything with it, especially a certain group of our employees will start to lose lose interest, lose, really, um, stop thinking of us as credible leaders because we don't follow through on those things. We don't integrate. We're just kind of after the next shiny object. Then we talked a little bit about this idea of being up on the stage and how, yes, you're leading by example, and that's really important. But we also need to be able to have relationships with our employees in some way to really show them that we care about them, not just necessarily as employees, but as people, and that we can't be overly aloof and end up on a stage to make that happen. We have to be real. We have to have some true relationships with those folks to make that happen. And in some ways, some transparency, right? Thinking that we're... Mm, that we're hiding things from them that, that that might even be a good thing. It doesn't really work. Word gets around. People know what's going on. And if you're the manager that isn't sharing with their team that numbers are, are down or that this is going on, it's, it's just going to make you look bad. That word will get around and, and your team is just going to lose trust in you because you weren't the one that shared that with them. And when we think about relationships and authenticity and all of those words, you know, a lot of times that's not what we think of as a manager. We think of a manager as maybe that stoic person who's always happy, always got things put together. And there's a fine line there, balance there with being real and, and open in some ways 
about the things that we can be with our team. Then we talk a little bit about that golden rule, and perhaps that has started to come out of favor, which is great, but really thinking more about treating people how they want to be treated, not being so scared of the, the being favorites or playing favorites, but really figuring out how people want to be treated and adjusting our style to do that, communicating across the team to help everyone see that we're being fair to everyone based on their individualized needs. And that takes more communication, it takes more thought, it takes more time, and and yet it's going to be worth it, right? We're going to have more engaged employees, we're going to have people that perhaps do go over above and beyond because they feel valued and and they're really part of a team and able to tap into each other's individual strengths versus thinking that everyone's the same. And this is the other dark place that treating everyone the same takes us. It really takes us to a place where we can't appreciate or capitalize on or encourage diversity and if we're not doing those things to the very very critical level of diversity of thought right you can think about diversity in a lot of different ways a lot of times when we think about diversity we think about sex or race or uh, maybe even sexual preference But when it gets right down to it, if we're not encouraging diversity, we're not encouraging diversity of thought. And of course, in a world where our bottom line is going to be how we market better than our competition, and perhaps if we have the technology a moment before they do, if we're not encouraging diversity of thought, we can't have innovation. You just can't if everyone is taught to think the same and perhaps even to think that thinking differently is bad or acting differently than someone else on the team is bad. You're never going to have innovation. And this is probably one of the worst fallacies of a manager is that manager gets into the rut of hiring people that are like them or converting people who aren't like them to be like them, because, of course, to be successful, you have to be like me, right? When you get there, you'll never have innovation, because everyone is trying to think like you to be successful, because you've told them that that's how you get to be successful in your business, is to think like you. And that I see happen to many organizations. The idea that everyone is treated the same means everyone should be like me, means no one's thinking differently, means poof, we don't have any innovation. And the people who want to innovate, our best talent, who wants to innovate, who wants to think outside of the box, who has the drive and spark, they leave because they can see that your definition of success to be them 
is never going to be who they are. And in fact, it's not who they want to be. And so they leave. And you end up with an organization where the only people who've stayed are the people who just want a job. And in this book, they have the, you know, the great, a great term for them. Those people who just want to stay, they're your road warriors, right? They, they just are retiring on active duty. I love that, retiring on active duty, your road warriors. That's who you end up having in your company because everyone who had the drive and spark to do something different saw that it wasn't appreciated, it wasn't encouraged, and in fact, it maybe was discouraged in your organization, even though you thought you were trying to promote innovation. No system or comment box or any of those kind of cliche things are going to help you create innovation. It's about appreciating diversity. It's about really treating people how they want to be treated at the core and being okay with that. And that falls into perhaps another myth in management is that if you're a good manager, you never have any conflict. In fact, it's quite the opposite. A good manager should have conflict but know how to handle it, right? And that's a challenging skill for any manager to learn. That if you are going to be a good manager, if you're going to build great talent, you have to be able to deal with the fact that they're going to have different opinions than you. And of course, if they have different opinions, it means there's going to be some conflict. doesn't mean it should be a drop-dead fight. It just means there should be some great discourse or dialogue going on to really understand each other's opinions and ideas and solutions to figure out which one is the best. And if you can't handle that conflict, eventually you'll stop having those conflicts and that's a bad sign. If you never have any conflict, if you never have anyone questioning you as a manager, you're not doing a good job. And if you are harsh to those people that do question you, you're on a bad path. Because once you stop having people on your team that question where you're going, and of course a productive way, you've lost it. Again, you'll have no chance at innovation. You have no ability to, to be, com- have a competitive advantage because you're doing things the way you've always done them. You have a bunch of yes people, yes men and women on your team and there's really no nowhere for you to go. So some of those things that you might think, oh, these make me a great manager. I've got this team that, you know, we just click on all cylinders all the time. Does clicking on all cylinders all the time mean a good thing, right? That your team is questioning each other, but they can always bounce back from it. They can, they can do that and move forward. Or does clicking on all cylinders mean that every time you propose something, everyone says yes? That's a dangerous place to be. So as we look at these myths, this idea that 
that you should be on a stage, that you should be separate from your employees, that you shouldn't have relationships with them, that you should treat everyone the same, that you should always adopt the latest and greatest in in management or leadership, and that you should have this team that never has any conflict. All of those kind of come together and create a culture, if you will, of really top-down leadership. And this is one of the things that's changed in the business world, perhaps recently, although I think it was on its way years ago and has just taken a while to reach the surface, that people don't necessarily want that top-down leadership in that way. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how, how this has changed, some of the new ways that people are thinking about management or leadership. And again, of course, we don't want to jump on even this bandwagon, but we want to think about how does this impact my team and how I lead, who's on my team, what do they need, perhaps even in terms of top-down versus horizontal or more collective leadership. So we'll take a break and come back in just a few minutes. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. 
If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we've been talking about leadership management myths and how they might be getting in your way of your career advancement development, why your team is leaving. And these may be particularly important if you're you're having some trouble on your team with retention. You may want to blame it on a lot of other things, but going back and really examining some of these myths and and how you're incorporating them into your management style. Take care of the part that you can take care of. What do you have control over? How can you use this as an opportunity to improve your, your management style? And of course, if you're just thinking about becoming a manager, these are great concepts to examine now before you get into it and fall into some of the the ruts that we're talking about here. So one of the last myths is this idea that working on people's weaknesses is how you improve performance. And many companies are starting to redo how they do their performance measures how they do their performance conversations, their evaluations, because we know this to be true. That if we focus on on your weaknesses, one, our return on investment is quite low. You're never going to be great at something you suck at. It's just not the way the world works, right? However, you will be great at the things that you're that you're already good at. You'll be great at those things that are intuitive to you. And if we can develop those things, we'll have a top performer. And yes, those weaknesses, we may have to figure out how to compensate for some of them. We may have to figure out how to use your strengths to compensate for some of them. That's a a concept that a lot of times is missed in this conversation. And we may want to think about realigning, reworking, so that those things aren't as big of a part of your job. Now you think, well, geez, you know, I could pretend that I'm bad at these things I don't like to do. And people are going to see through that. That's not what this is about. But if you're really not good at writing detailed action plans or whatever it might be, finding a different person on the team to do those things, one, might give that person a shot in the arm in terms of their satisfaction at work if they are good at it and love to do it. And two, will create a better outcome for the team. There's a balance there. Obviously, we can't get rid of everything we don't like to do or aren't good at at work. But if we've really, if we're really going to be a good manager, having those conversations, looking out for those opportunities to let our people do what they're good at and shine we're going to have a much better team, we're going to have much better performance, and we're also going to have much happier employees. And sometimes those are just little things. It doesn't have to be a huge restructuring to make that happen. And a lot of it 
is how we have that conversation with our employee, hopefully on a regular basis, as well as in their performance conversation to help them build on what they already do well and use their strengths to compensate for weaknesses that that need to be compensated for. Of course, what do we think of when we go into these conversations as a manager is that we need to address these weaknesses with this individual. Yes, there may be things we need to address with an individual, but how we do that is going to be very powerful. And where we focus is going to be very powerful. Are you going to focus on those areas that need improvement or are you going to focus on where they're doing great and use those as ways to improve where they need to improve? This idea in management, I think, is shifting and If you're in an old school company, you're going to have to try harder to have that conversation differently. The data on it is quite clear that those people who manage their employees by talking about their strengths have employees that do much better. They make more money. They're happier. It's it's a tangible result there. That data is clear. So... Keep that in mind as you're planning your performance conversations. If you get to have input into how the process works, how the process looks, how could you do that differently? So all of these pieces come together and they they really point towards a more collaborative leadership style than a top-down kind of leadership style. And when we think about that a lot of times we think about, oh, that's the millennials. You know, the millennials want to be involved. The millennials want to be the CEO right away. But what I've seen, and, you know, this is not a, a innovative thought by any means. You read Marshall Goldsmith, and he talks about, especially in the book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There, that nobody, no matter what age, sex, race, level in your company well maybe I should say not nobody but very few people like to be told what to do all the time and most people will perform better when they get to have some input into the process into how things are done into what is done what type of input they get into that may be different depending on what position they're in But most people like to have some input into the process, no matter what age they are, no matter what position level they are. And if we're leading in a way that doesn't allow any input, if we're leading in a way that says my way or the highway, most of the time we're going to have subpar performance. And we may not even know it because we're so used to doing it that way and perhaps even our team is so used to us doing it that way that we don't know and they don't know that they're not performing at their highest level. But think about it. Whether you have kids or or even just yourself, how well do you perform when someone's always telling you exactly what to do and how to do it? For a while, you can do it or with certain things. But when it comes right down to it, when something is part of our creation. We have much more ownership in it. We have much more ability to execute and 
did do better. So as you walk away into your job tomorrow, you think about your team. How can you let them have more input? How can you get them more engaged? How can you provide them with opportunities to innovate? And how can you encourage that and build a culture that encourages that diversity of thought in the most basic way? We'll be back here next week on The Career Confidant talking about another great topic to improve your career, advance your career, find find a better job, whatever it is that you're needing to move your career forward. And of course, we're always happy to answer your questions or hear your thoughts at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at astrategicadvantage.com. We look forward to seeing you right back here next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.